It's that time, so let's take it to the Birdland. That Baltimore home flavor is coming firsthand. Fred, Scott, and Ryan, tell them the word, man. Mixing a little BS to make it work, man. Boys, they got it. On excitement, the topic. Make sure when they toss you the ball, you don't drop it. With all that swag, you're going to listen regardless. Here comes the pitch, so it's time to get it started. It's Birdland BS. 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 What's up, BSers? What's up, peeps? Full studio tonight. We got Fred, Scott, Brian, Ryan, James on the studio tonight. Full house. We got a lot of show to cover. We got a lot of things to talk about. We haven't talked Terps in a while. We got Ryan in the house to talk Terps with us. We got some exciting news as the Big Ten's getting ready to kick off. Yeah, how happy was Ryan? Yeah, right? <laughs> Ryan was, uh, I, I guess, wait, wait look at him. He's not hold very on, happy. Hold on, hold on. Tempered it a little bit just because Smile. we're not going to be able to uh, either. I mean, I will be very happy as soon as I see that ball go off the kicker's toe into the yeah. air. And until then... I'm just going to believe it's not happening. <laughs> <laughs> well, like I said, we do got a lot to cover on the show. The Ravens, uh, 2-0 and after a big win out in Houston. They get the ground game going, so we got a lot to talk about in that game to yeah. recap. Uh, and it's primetime week. It's Monday Night Football. It doesn't feel the same. This is going to be epic. Yeah, this is the most epic of epic games this year, right? You got the two MVPs going at each other in this Ravens and Chiefs matchup on Monday Night Football. But it's going to be in front of nobody. Down at MNC Bank on Monday you, Night Football. You know, I was I was talking before the show with my father-in-law. You want to know who has the the you know hometown advantage now? The sound guy. Yeah, because he can much. do anything he wants to affect the defense. And it's pretty funny to listen to like when they select they're going to boo somebody. Like I'm pretty sure I forget what game it was. Somebody booed their own quarterback, rightfully so. But the fact that he had the balls to do it was absolutely hilarious. Yeah, it was obviously Philadelphia. It's always Philadelphia. Oh, it yeah. was Philadelphia. You're absolutely right. It was Philadelphia. It's hilarious. It was, it was true to fashion of their own. Yeah. <laughs> right. And uh, just like we all kind of knew he would, uh, Trey Mancini. Back on the men, so we're going to talk a little bit about that and uh, the Orioles and what we'll see moving forward as they played their final home game of the season. Yeah, I'm excited because <laughs> we get to say goodbye, right? In a great way, I hope. Exactly. And like I said, Shell and Tell's back this week as we're going to talk some Terps football, Big Ten getting ready to set, uh, set the kickoff in a modified schedule, a shortened season. So we're going to talk a little bit about our predictions. In a month. Some players to keep an eye on. In a uh, month. <laughs> in a month. Still a little bit of time. <laughs> But, hey, we got college football back, so I'm happy. Uh, before we get into too much, we do want to remind you, if you've ever been injured at work or in an auto accident weren't sure who to call, 855-MD-CRASH, the Maryland personal injury attorneys that will have your back. If you find yourself in an unfortunate situation, and I know I have, give our team at MD-CRASH a call right away. We all know the cost of medical bills, lost wages, and pain and suffering can all add up quickly and potentially put you in a bad financial place. If you want a team that will handle your case, big or small, and just give you some peace of mind, Save this number now. Been telling you for months. Do it now. 855-MD-CRASH. It's 855-632-7274. Be sure to follow them on Facebook for some fun giveaways, including tickets to some of our hometown teams. All right, Scott, it's time for some Raven Flock news. Uh, as we are 2-0, and like I said last week, Maybe those 16 and 0 predictions are are are, are going to happen. I don't know. We'll We're see. We're creeping closer and closer <laughs> game by nah, game. I'm not counting my chickens for the hats. Look, we'll take it. Two wins uh, against you know two decent teams. Look, I, I I know a lot of people were high on the Browns last year, right? And obviously they didn't live up to the expectations of what everybody saw. Everybody thought, uh, but the Browns came back in a good Thursday night football game. 
And I don't know how great the Bengals are, but they still end up putting up, I think, 35 points in that game to go to show that they still have a decent offense and we were able to hold them in check. Yeah, look, here's the deal. <laughs> you say two great games. Yeah. They were two dominant games, right? Every, all the hype, again, yet, yet again, around Cleveland and, and what, they, what they've been able to do this offseason, the, the pieces that they brought in, we dominated them, shut them down, especially from a defensive standpoint. Deshaun Watson, everybody's saying, oh, you know, he's, you know, he's the, the next guy because he was given that contract. Yeah. He's earning his contract. Da, da, da. He comes in. We shot him fairly, down fairly well. 16 points on the board is all they were able to put up. Blew him out last year at home. Uh, now, granted, again, it was a different defense. They didn't have J.J. Watt out there, who J.J. Watt was a game wrecker in this game. He got to Lamar twice, which – you know, doesn't happen. You know, for, that just goes to show the yeah. kind of freakish athlete that you know JJ Watt is. Uh, but again, you know, to win thirty-three to sixteen, I know the game didn't kind of have that like it didn't it, have the flair. It didn't have that exciting feel to it. There weren't a ton of big offensive plays. But this just goes to speak of how efficient this offense is being. Lamar Jackson is just under eighty percent completion percentage on the year. That's ridiculous. This is a guy who they were questioning his accuracy and how his ball looks and all that stuff two weeks into the season, and he's at like 78% completion pass. Yeah, it, completion he, percentage. he's looked good. He also, I think I saw a stat, uh, something along the lines that he, he hit um, six, 600 passing yards. In, like, six in hundred pass attempts. Pass attempts, that's what it was. I knew there was a, a stat there. So, But he's one of the, he's one of the fastest to do it. So to yeah. say he's not so a passer. The, the stat that you're talking about, it was he passed the 600 career pass attempts threshold Sunday, became the first player in NFL history with at least 45 touchdown passes and fewer than 10 interceptions over his first 600 pass attempts. First in NFL history. Yeah. I will say year one, he didn't have time to inter throw interceptions because he fumbled the ball every three times. <laughs> Stop <laughs> talking about the pass, Ryan. That was a year and a half ago. He's We've moved on. Somebody well. mute him. Yeah, and right. you give me shit for, for taking so long to get on the Lamar Effect train. Oh, uh, I, I think there's somebody over there that's even worse. Well, before, before we get too much into Lamar and the passing offense, I know last week was one of our concerns was how is this team going to look rushing? You know, obviously they led the league rushing last year. Uh, they didn't have a huge rushing game last week, but they didn't necessarily need it against the Browns. Right. Obviously, they were able to do what they did through the air. Uh, but in this game, they kind of get back to their roots. They had 230 total yards rushing. Now, it, it took them a little while to get there. Yeah, it took them a little while. They got 153 of that in the final portion of the game in the right. fourth quarter. Uh, but I thought a couple of things that stood out to me in this game was one, the distribution of the ball. You know, the true three-headed monster that we have back there in Edwards, Ingram, and Dobbins. You know, I mean, like we yeah. talked about before, Justice Hill is just the odd man out. It's not that he couldn't be productive in this offense, but at this point, we just don't need him with no, the, you don't. the riches we have at the position. But we had four players, including Lamar in this game, have runs of over 14 yards. That's pretty impressive. Singular runs over 14 yards, four players. It means they were finding the holes and they were hitting them hard. Yeah. Right. We talked about that and we talked about if they were going to get the run game going, they they needed to do what we didn't see against the Browns, which was hitting the, the hole hard and being able to, to find the extra yardage and fight for the extra yardage. And that's what they did in this game. They were, you know, somehow able to find, and this, this I'm going to merge it for a second. They were somehow able to find the gaps that the O line was leaving. Yeah. But, that O-line on the flip side was getting Lamar. You talked about the two sacks that J.J. Watt had. Yeah. He got sacked four times in this game. Remember, I said two was a lot in the first game. 
we're talking four in this game against him, a much, much more improved defense over what the Browns have. Yeah. Um, it's a little concerning to an extent, but I think it was on the flip side. It was good because the O-line was able to con- help control that run game and help find them those gaps. Yeah. And, and as to your point, you know, we did get 153 yards in the fourth quarter. The, the offensive line play improved as this game went on. A lot of those sacks and a lot of those pressures came early on in the game, the first quarter and a half of the game. Uh, so after that, once they got into quarter two, the offensive line did progress. The thing that you have to keep in mind, again, we said this last week, you've got Trey Phillips, who was an offensive tackle, who hasn't played football very long in his career, in his, in his life. He, he's, he was an offensive tackle in college playing at right guard. Right. Yeah. Uh, and Orlando Brown trying to to learn and trying to teach on the fly with him over there. And, and it's, it's just there's a lot of technique. You got Matt Skura coming back from the injury. Uh, he's probably not 100 percent yet. Right. No, I'm not as concerned with the offensive pl- offensive line play. I think this is something that will continue to get better. I don't Lamar covers for a lot of deficiencies with his ability to scramble and with his ability to get around, you know, get outside of the pocket and, and make plays with his feet. I'm not as concerned with the offensive line play right now as some are. Uh, I think that will get better as time goes. I think looking at, looking at the videos, I think the, the biggest concern is you're just watching the pocket collapse and you can't consistently find where it's collapsing. Right. Yeah. We saw OBJ or Orlando Brown Jr. Get beat twice. Yeah. Um, pretty badly. To the point that you know, one of them led to a Lamar sack. The other one led to uh, a, a pressure that was a, he had to he had to get rid of the ball. It was, it was the only choice. Right. Um, Phillips did get beat once or twice. Skura yet again. To your point, I don't think he's a hundred percent. I think that he's he's rushed it back a little bit, and you can see it. He he looks a little I awkward. Know. I don't at know first. if he's rushed it back. I think there's. There's a mental block with that too when you're coming back from a big injury say, like that yeah. that you don't want to you don't want to you're a little nervous or a little I guess you're going to be to go 100% exactly. Uh so I think it's just a matter of him getting a little bit more comfortable and a little bit more secure in how yeah. he feels. Uh but I think that'll improve but but look, I like we said about these running backs. Gus Edwards last uh last week or last year uh broke over 100 yards against them last year in that game. Mm-hmm. He rushes for 10 carries and 73 yards, 7.3 average in this game. That's huge. Yeah. You got Mark Ingram, which I thought was one of the plays of the game, where on a fourth and one, it's just man up, man, strong, strong eye formation. He gets the direct snap uh, and takes it to the house on a, what, a 40-something yard run uh, for a touchdown. That was a huge play in that game. You know, Mark Ingram was, you know, getting a little bit of criticism last week. He looked, people were saying he looked slow. Uh, was the age starting to catch up? Well, I mean, on that play at least, didn't look like it. No, it didn't look like it. And that's the other thing. You gotta, you gotta, let's. I mean, I don't want to get. I don't want to get too far into it. But w- we know what's happened in the NFL. The rest of the NFL during week two, right? Right. So these guys that may have a slower start are some of these veterans that know how to take care of their body, and they know if I want to be there later in the season, especially for Ingram. Remember, Ingram kind of wasn't necessarily fully there. At the end of last season. Yeah. Right. Even yeah, he said he wasn't a hundred percent. He was dealing with the injury issues. Right. He was dealing with, you know, soreness. So what does he do? He comes out and maybe he's a little bit slower this year. Right. Right. Maybe that's the by design for him. Let's also think about this. Maybe that's also by design by the Ravens. You have a, a guy that is, yes, he's your future in Dobbins. Right. They can come in and do the same things. You have Edwards that you can put out there. If you need him, Hill is there. 
And that's kind of my point in earlier, having this, this three-headed monster. You don't need to have – the Ravens are blessed. They don't need to have the quote-unquote bell cow back. They can distribute the ball. They can distribute the carries. Whoever's got the hot hand might get a few extra carries. In this game, to have a guy like J.K. Dobbins, one of the most touted rookies coming out of the draft, available, fresh, late in this game in the fourth quarter, you saw what that did. Right. I mean, he got two huge runs in that in that fourth quarter. Um, it's just, again, this is one of those things that I think is going to develop over the season. No, you know, we we're hoping to see more develop in the passing game and we're hoping to see a little bit more of a balanced attack, but this is what this team is built to do. They are yeah. built to be efficient through the air and be a ground and pound team. Well, and to, to your point with, you know, talking, when we were talking about the O-line and, and Lamar and making up for things, you know, one of the things with Lamar in this game Right, 16 carries for 54 yards. Yeah. I want to say, and I haven't gone back to look. You you can tell me if you agree or disagree. I want to say seven of those, six, maybe seven of those max were designed runs for him. The rest of them were him scrambling yeah. or he got out. No, there, was, there was downfield coverage. He had nowhere to throw it. And instead of making a bad decision, he makes the scramble and he gets the extra yardage. Right. There's a few times that he got the extra yards and got the first down. Right. Yeah. I I don't know what the actual stat was on it. I, I don't, I don't up, know. But I, I would I'm say that that's probably pretty accurate. Um, but, you know, I think what what's most impressive about Lamar is, again, we talk about his continued development as a passer is he's constantly going through his progressions. He's constantly looking downfield. He's not taking the ball and automatically looking to run or get. No. He's not afraid to step up in the pocket. And that's, I think, a couple of those segments. I know one for sure against J.J. was his own fault. He stepped right into the oh, pocket yeah. and stepped right into the front of J.J. Watt and he had nowhere to go. Uh, and, and that just goes to speak that he's not looking to run first. He is looking through his progressions down the field. And you see that in how many targets and how, how much this ball is being spread around yeah. to these different receivers. You don't want that. You don't want that tunnel vision out of him. And that's the key. He's going to have, he has to, you always hear it, right? Feel the pressure. Yeah. He has to, to feel that pressure and he's felt it before. We've seen him feel it. We saw him feel it last year. Right. It's just last year. We saw him feel it and run. Now he needs to feel it and make the assessment of run or throw. Right. If you have the open, you can throw it and take the hit. If you don't have the open, you've got to feel that pressure. You've got to know where you can step up, things like that. Again, not, not, not locking Lamar. It's just the fact of I'm trying to find things to point out in this game that were concerning yeah. or things that maybe just we can improve on, right? It's, it's not always that it's concerning. It's, it's things that you can always improve on. You should always be looking to make your game get better. And be a better player, be a better leader. Yeah, I agree. And Ryan. that's what it is. Oh, the, not really knocking you. You can't love knocking Lamar because some of those things you said designed scrambles. There weren't many scrambles where he actually got yardage, but there were three or three or four times where he turned a, what would have been a six or seven yard sack into a half yard gain. Oh, oh, oh yeah, yeah, hundred percent. You, you took that stat away from them by just getting the line of scrimmage. It right. wasn't a great play because right. it's a half yard, but it was not a sack. It right. was not six yard loss. Yeah. Yeah. And, and and to my point, what I was saying a minute ago is when he's looking down the field last year, we talked about his comfort blankets in Hollywood Brown and Mark Andrews. That's where the majority of their targets went so far in two games. Nine players have been targeted yeah. nine, 29 to wide receivers, 13 to tight ends and six to running backs. Four players 
uh, have plus 10 yard targets. Like we talked all the things that we gave him, not criticism for, but things that we thought he could improve. He can improve on, right. Even distribution going through his progressions and targeting the ball down the field a little bit more, bigger plays, bigger splash plays. We're seeing that out of Lamar. So this just goes to show that when you give this guy just that much of criticism or that much to work on, he goes to work on it. He, he is a true workhorse. In that sense. And you talk about you know, over two games, nine in this game alone, nine separate receivers in this game alone. Right. Right. The leader was obviously Marquise Brown had five receptions for 42 yards. But guess who we've told been we've been asking to step up and guess who stepped up in this game? Four receptions for 38 yards. Miles Borkin ad- averaging nine and a half yards per reception. That's what we want him to start doing. We want, and he was coming up with some big receptions, in my opinion. Not only come up with some big receptions, but you talk about being the complete wide receiver. That 29 yard reception to Mark Andrews doesn't happen without Miles Boykin's nope. block. Miles Boykin is the real deal, complete receiver, self, you know, selfless. He will go out there and block and throw his body in front of guys, which is what he what he needs to do, especially with the size that he has. Uh, and that was a huge play on that game. That's the only catch. Speaking of the security blanket, you know, we, we all know what Mark Andrews is. That was the only catch. So you could see the Texans game plan was to take Mark Andrews away from the Ravens. And they effectively did that, but the Ravens still won 33 to 16. Yeah, it didn't, it didn't take much to be able to say like it, it was, he found the weapons. He found the right guys, you know, getting Duvernay involved. You know, we see, we saw Ricard. It was a little one yard move, but you know, he gets, he gets involved. Nick Boyle, nice 11 yard catch that he had, yeah. um, you know, stepping up and it was very close to uh, someone over there getting real pissed off. <laughs> go ahead and go to Ryan. Cause uh, I'll let you tell everybody what happened. All right. Our sponsor, my bookie. All right. <laughs> <laughs> so we put on a $20 bet for Nick Boyle to be the, to be the first touchdown. My man, Nick Boyle catches from the 12 yard line. There's no one within 15 yards of him, but he's looking around for contact, can't find anybody to run over, right. and somehow dies on the one-yard line. I have no <laughs> idea how you don't score there, I need- but you need to mail me $840 because I was <laughs> dancing at the screen. I, I, need to pull a, I need to pull a stat on how many times that he has been stopped with inside the three-yard line. I feel like that is the story that, of his career. He just loves that he one. He gets uh-huh. down at between the one and the three-yard line countless amount of times. <laughs> he literally, to your point, he literally caught the ball and literally yeah. looks around. He, like, he literally double put took. He was like, right. "Where? Is, why is no one covering me? I don't know. Just go to the end zone. It's right there. <laughs> My question was. I was <laughs> dancing. I was buying everybody rounds. <laughs> I was like, let's go. My right. question was, did he, did he forget which side of the field he was on? I mean, that was like, so huge. It was literally it was 240 to one and i was one yard away right <laughs> you had 20 bucks on it i had 20, 10 bucks on it yeah it's, oh, it's yeah. almost like you have like oh. an out of body experience like holy crap i actually caught the ball now what do i do with it who do i give it to yeah, right exactly exactly Act like you've been there before Boyle. <laughs> <laughs> well let's, now he has been <laughs> let's let's flip this you know we've talked a lot about the offense right um, well, one other thing before you flip it. Okay, defense, okay, go ahead. One other stat that I had to pull on Lamar talking about his efficiency and this offense as a whole. You can't give this just to Lamar, right? This is the offense as a whole, but Lamar himself on third downs, specifically third downs this year, 10 of 13 for 151 yards, two touchdowns, no picks, 150.2 passer rating, 154.2 passer rating. It's about as good as it gets. That's about as clutch yeah. as it gets. So you talk about Damn. being an efficient offense. I know it's only two games, and I know it's a small sample size, 
But these are the kinds of things that we wanted to see him improve on. And I don't think it gets much better than that. There's a comment that comes up and it's in reference to Ryan. Um, <laughs> Drew, Drew, sa Drew says some people have premature ejaculation issues. Oh, geez. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Boyle had premature kneeling issues. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. All right, so let's switch over to the defensive side. All right, Scott, defensive side of the ball. Obviously, big story out of this game. Ugh. Yet again, and you didn't like me using this word before. It's like Groundhog Day. Injury prone, Tavon Young goes down with a knee injury, and now we have confirmed it is an ACL, and it looks like it's going to be complete season injury ending injury for him uh, yeah one of the the contracts i was really really happy about that has just turned out to be an awful deal for the ravens and not not based on production and it's not based on effort like this guy he goes through all the rehabs he comes back he puts it out and when he's on the field he's he's very good he's very productive but very limited that he's on the field can't stay on as he somebody goes down stop yet. playing with the boot voodoo doll or give him a horseshoe uh, or something man this guy's got the worst luck He's got the Manny ball. Machado knees. Why don't we just do them both at the same time? <laughs> yeah, right? Yeah. I mean, so I, we look. We hope for a speedy recovery. He's not going to be back this year. We got no. toward ACL. There's no way he'll be back this year. All we can hope for is, uh, you know, a bounce back next year. But we got to figure out what we're going to do in the now. Uh, in this game, Anthony Averett was the replacement for Tavon Young. Got targeted. And a lot of people were, were hard on him. I mean, because he was. As soon as Deshaun Watson saw that Averett was out there, that's who they were going after. Uh, I'm not as uh, – listen, he was, what, the fifth cornerback on the depth chart? Like, what are you expecting out of the fifth cornerback on the depth chart, right? I don't know if Averett will be the replacement long-term. We could see a shift like we did last year where Marlon comes back into the slot, plays the corner, the slot corner position, and they move Jimmy outside again. Uh, I think – if you're playing Madden, <laughs> that's probably the best lineup that you would want to go with. Uh, but, man, I, I was excited to have Marlon back out on the outside covering the X receiver. It, it's, I hope not. It's funny, it's funny that you say that because in this game, you talk about Marlon being in the slot. He was put in a slot, on a slot blitz four times in this game by Wink. Yeah. Again, I've expressed concern in the past. One of them wound up, he wound up, you know, wound up being an open, an open uh, man for I think for a first down. Mm -hmm. But overall, that's one of the things that it concerns me that he continues to have him play from the slot and then blitz from the slot when we have other guys that I think are more enough to do that. And the guy that I think should be doing it is Jimmy Smith. Go ahead, James. It's it's bad that Young went down, but we're yeah. used to it. You know, last year we didn't have him. We'll be all right. And like you said, with with Humphrey maybe dropping back, but. Also, no one's crying about um, Thomas. No one's picking him up. So we're not we're not we're not worried about it. we're we're going to be prepared and we'll be fine about it. But I do think they're going to target whoever um, is covering um, Levine. Yeah, it's just it takes a position of strength uh, and, and weakens it a little bit. Like I said, we, we had uh, the benefit of having a guy like Jimmy Smith, who would probably be a number one or number two cornerback on most teams in the NFL, uh, the ability to kind of move him around a little bit, like we talked about, maybe transfer uh, transitioning him over to the safety position, uh, being able to use his versatility. Now I think he's going to be more in a consistent role. And I do think personally, I haven't heard anything, but I personally think they will move Marlon back to the slot and put Jimmy back on the outside. Just yeah, the way I think the go. only thing that I would say, like if you're gonna if you're gonna work off a slot blitz, 
no one, in my opinion, from from the past, I'll say in the past ten years, no one does the slot blitz better than Jimmy Smith. Yeah. So for me, I'd rather have Jimmy there, not have to worry about him getting burned on the back end. If you're going to play it in the slot, but it's just a lot for Jimmy because typically in the slot are some of your faster guys, right. right? And your quick twitch guys. That's not really Jimmy's thing. Jimmy is more of you know the the bigger wide receivers. That's why we were saying he'd probably be good against like tight ends in a safety role, that kind of thing. Um, I just think that Marlin's the better athlete, but I'm not. I'm not that worried about it. I think eighth, eighth, between doing some of that, trusting in in Wink to be able to use his creativity and in, in formations and being able to put guys in position, I think we will be fine, uh, yeah. especially as this pass rush continues to improve. That's another area that I think is getting too much criticism, at least from what I'm seeing on fans on social media. Uh, people are, are saying that there's yeah. not enough pass rush, that the pass rush, is, pass rush isn't, ex, you know, is not existent, that they're not finishing. They're getting pressure, but they're not finishing at the end of the day. Sack numbers are great, right? And sacks, the ultimate goal when you're getting pressure. But if you're upsetting the rhythm of a quarterback, that's that's primary, that's primary objective number one. Upset the rhythm of the quarterback. You just had one of the, the front runners of best quarterbacks in the league who couldn't do anything against us in Deshaun Watson. I'm going to go a step further. Your primary objective is to not let that other team score points. Yeah. And uh, credit to Vasilius, because we know Vasilius. We, we've met him before, yeah. done yeah. some stuff with the Orioles with him. He's with Baltimore Beatdown. He wrote a great article this week. He, he said, you guys, everybody needs to chill out, right? Th check out these stats. The defense as a whole has not allowed 25 points or more in 14 consecutive games and has at least one takeaway in 15 straight games. Yeah. Both are the longest active streaks in the NFL. For anybody that wants to say that is not not pieces of a highest caliber defense, you aren't paying attention to football. This team, despite everything that's going on, yes, it's not the consistent guys that we're used to. It's not the the big names like an Earl Thomas for everybody that wanted to give crap about Earl Tom them letting Earl Thomas go. They're still doing it. And they're doing it better than anybody else. I think the number, when I started looking into this, because I was like, I, I don't want to say anything if maybe I'm just seeing this wrong. So I started looking into the numbers. The Ravens right now, after two weeks, are the fourth highest pass rush team in creating pressure in the National Football League right now. Jeez. They have the fourth most pressure in the NFL right now. So again, they had four sacks last week. They had four sacks last week. The average in the NFL last year was like 3.1 a game. So they were over the average in getting to the quarterback and finishing the job. And I think you got a lot of question marks, right? You got two guys that are brand new in Calais Campbell and Derek Wolf, right? To this defensive system. Yeah. They're still learning things out. No preseason. You got two rookies back there in linebacker and Patrick, Patrick Queen and uh, Malik Harrison. They're still trying to figure each other out. You know, it's it, it. There's a lot of question marks, and this is going to gel, and it's going to get better for them to be doing as good as they are right now. Check again in week eight, week ten, right? And see how they're doing. And think about the names that are being called out right now, right? You have L.J. Ford has played the probably, arguably, two of the best games of his career. PFF Pro Football Focus has him rated as the best inside linebacker in the NFL right now. 
He's playing like it. Yeah. He's been playing like it. He gets a, the return for the touchdown. Great stretch, by the way, to, to have the awareness to get the inside of the yeah. pylon there. Ryan and I were looking at it. Ryan didn't think he got in. I was like, mm, I'm pretty sure. As long as he hit that pylon, he got in. He Man, caught it was the close. inside of the pylon right close. before his, his side came down. So that was huge. The interception by Marcus Peters, right? Another big guy. We're oh, talking about dude. Humphrey and Peters. Peters keeps getting named by the by the national media as the better as the better corner over Marlon. We all agree. The fact that you aren't hearing Marlon's name as much as you are, Peters, is a sign that Marlon's better. But Peters puts up the interception. Numbers. That interception by Peters was a thing of beauty. It was. I watched it. I watched it live, and I saw it happen because sometimes I'll I'll, I'll focus in, especially on defense. I'll focus in on one player and just kind of watch what they're doing. And I so happened to be watching Marcus Peters. He's in motion, running across the line, and I'm watching him right. And I, and I see him covering the guy in motion. The next thing I see is him street bounce across, across come back onto the screen, and dive for this interception. I'm like. He read Deshaun Watson's eyes on that. Knew, knew your my guy's not even gonna my get guy the ball. is going to get maybe a two or three yard gain. Screw that! I'll give him that. Dropped into coverage and picked that ball off where he had no business. Nobody else, nobody else, I'd say that in the NFL would have made that play. And and to show to show the hands that he showed to make that catch. Unreal from a quarterback. Go ahead, James. He's a goddamn cheetah. And he's a gambler. That's what yes, it is. is. Like nobody, not <laughs> many no, people would have like left that, their man. That was a it. low risk gamble, though, because he literally left his guy knowing that if his guy is the one that gets the ball and a dump off, he might get a three or four yard gain at most on that play. No, but also, and he was willing to give him that. Also, in the highlights when they replayed it, they showed that Watson was looking the whole time. So. After right, he, yeah, he, he, he stared down his man. Time. He just yeah. left them and went yeah. there. And and to, Ju to Justin's credit here, right? To make that diving catch, fingertips like that, get your hand underneath, underneath the, ball. the ball enough to not allow the ground to to you know mess so, it up or yeah. you know all it need, all the ground needed to do touch was and move change, the ball just a little change bit. the rotation of the ball in his and, hands. That's it. It would have been incomplete. And he was immediately looking to get rid of the ball. I don't know why. He was like, I don't want to run with it. <laughs> yeah. You're fast enough, like, Peters. Just go. Unreal. <laughs> that whole situation was like Ed Reed-esque. I'm like, just he, the just way go. he called it, the way he read it, and then I'm like, please, God, don't pitch it. He like was Ed immediately Reed. Right. looking to get rid of the ball. I don't uh, understand. You're fast. Just just run. Hey, Ryan, so, he comes from the he comes from the uh, the the Boyle school of catching. He, he doesn't know where anyone is. Right. And the other thing that I thought was uh, was kind of was a great play, and and this is Marlon Humphrey, and this is just I, at this point, Marlon Humphrey needs to get this play like copyrighted, trademarked. The, the, the punch out, out I, you know. I remember his uh, his Twitter handle when he first came into the NFL was like training with Tyson. No, no, no. But it, but it was like Hawaiian punch or like Marlo punch or something. It was Marlo punch. Was, I think you're right. It was, some, it was something, something weird. Like, I forget what it was, but I never understood what it meant. Now you do. Now I do. Now I do because this isn't once. This isn't twice. This is his thing. This is his trademark play. There's nobody in the NFL that does it better. Uh, and it, it was just an amazing play. And then, like you said, for LJ Ford to have the awareness to pick it up, get to the pylon and stretch out and get that touchdown. Looks just like goes to been, show, man. Looks like you've been diving for that pylon his whole life, and they said it was his first <laughs> touchdown. This was that a was guy backyard football dive. That's yes, what that it was. LJ Ford was a guy sitting on a fucking couch at this time last year. I've no job. He had I, no job. Who was and it? right now he's graded as pro football focus's best inside linebacker. Who was it that's, that on the chat room said, I think just a, minute, just a minute ago, just said great-ass value, it, and it is. Right. Think about the contract that he is on. We gave him an extension last year. See ball, get look. ball. Yes. Mm -hmm. And that's what you that's what you want. You want a guy that's going to be able to step up and do that. You want a guy that's going to be see ball, get ball, like Craig said. But you want a guy that's 
low value, high reward. And God, did they get it. Eric DaCosta, we have continued to say it. If LJ Fort continues on this path, yeah. how is Eric DaCosta not yet again the GM of the year? <laughs> well, the, that would have been in last year's voting because he was assigning last year, talking about LJ Fort, right? But I, listen, what he's done with this draft and the impact that the rookies have had this year on, again, a season without any preseason, the fact that these guys are starting and having an immediate well, impact, it's huge. What you've, what you've done in that, in that, on that defense, right? We've talked, we talked about Queen being an impact right away last year, right? Yes. So now, now as a defense, I got to think about covering Queen. I, gotta, I know I got to think about everybody on that front line. Right. So what winds up happening? I forget about LJ Fort. Right. That's what's been happening. LJ Fort has been swarming the ball. He has some of the, I think he, I'm not going to quote it. Ryan could probably look it up or, or James can look it up. I think he is one of the highest in the team in tackles yeah. because he's been able to get to the ball consistently. He's now has this, this uh, pickup for the touchdown. He has a sack last week. It, he's just continuing to show why Eric DaCosta Quentin got him. Not numbers don't always mean anything. No, that's true. Sometimes uh, it's the tape on a guy. Another thing I thought was cute in this game was uh, just <laughs> Justin Tucker had to dust off the old kicking shoe <laughs> as uh, he was put to task in this game. Four for four on field goals. It's going to prove that he still hadn't lost anything, even though he doesn't have quite the opportunities that he had last year to go to show how efficient this offense is, how much they score touchdowns. He'll versus still get 141 fail. points. This oh, year. or whatever it is, whatever <laughs> that number is, it's four years it in a fucking row. He's hit it on the number. Somehow it'll magically get there again. Sam Cook uh, had to dust off his cleats again this this week too. He did, but uh, I know a lot of uh, I saw a lot of chatter today on social media the you know the chiefs fans are relentless man they're they're so high on everybody on their team and they're really high on butker you know butker obviously the defending champs you have a right to i be. get i get it i get that but they're up there talking that butker's the best kicker in the nfl and there's nobody <laughs> even close i'm like are you fucking kidding me have, you, have been, you been watching the nfl for the past 10 years no they literally turned it on after the super bowl and that was about it like they're just all it's absolutely ridiculous. It's the bandwagon chiefs. I'm not saying he's a bad yep. kicker. I mean, come on. 53, 58, 58 in overtime. I'm not saying he's... He looked great. He looked good. He looked good. Pump the brakes. That's his point, though, is you turned it on after the Super Bowl, he's, and you haven't paid anything. And he had a good game. In the NFL. He's got to be in the, in the argument. I got, he's in the argument for a top a top kicker in the NFL, this but he's year. not the best. <laughs> right now, maybe just talking about what they've done so far this year, yeah. He's put more on the play. Yeah, I get that. Yeah, his team sucks enough that he has to he has to actually kick some. <laughs> we'll find out. <laughs> yeah, we're gonna find out. Uh, all right. So speaking of the Chiefs, uh, you know, obviously they're they're a super exciting team. They haven't quite lived up to the hype that they've put together over the last couple of years offensively, right? They haven't put up these ridiculous numbers as of yet. It took two overtimes yeah. this past week to beat the Chargers, right? A game that should have been pretty much a layup for them. Chargers came in five minutes before the game kicks off and got to go to a rookie quarterback who ends up throwing for over 300 yards. The kid looked good. He did. Herbert, he looked good in that game. I think he's the real deal. Uh, but my question to you is, do you think this kind of vanilla offense that we've been running so far was just to kind of not show too much for this week's game. And this week's game is where they pull all the tricks out of the bag and they really try to get aggressive against this team. Remember how last year I said like three quarters of the way through the year, we'd only seen like 60, 65% of the playbook. Yeah. 
I think we've only dumped into maybe 25% of the playbook this year. Yeah. I think, yes, to your point, we dump in. I think we start to see 50%, 60% of the playbook because this is the team you need to beat. Everybody's going to be watching this game. This is in prime time. It's under the lights. It is the champion. It is the champions versus the they want to be champions. It is the former MVP versus the reigning MVP. Yeah. This is this is the heavyweight fight of the year. Right. If you're gonna if you're gonna equate it to boxing, this is the heavyweight fight of the year. And to me, yes, I think they are dogging it a little bit. And I think it's smart on them. And I think they're going to continue to dog. I don't even think we need to bring out all the stuff that we're going to bring out. Because I think we're still going to be able to beat these guys. It's going to be able to clo- be a close game. But I'm looking at what what's happened the past two weeks. What did the Chargers do against them? I, yes, they they had to, they got one in overtime, but they took the Chargers to overtime. And the Chargers don't have a whole ton of weapons, and their main quarterback went down, so their rookie came in, who there's not a lot of tape on. Here's my thing: Ravens are zero and two against the Chiefs in the Lamar Jackson era. Right, yeah. both of those games. The Ravens got outside of their element, and they tried to beat the Chiefs at their own game. If the Ravens want to win this game, stick to the script. Stick to what works. Don't try to beat the Chiefs at their own game. Beat them with ground and pound. Beat them with time of possession, and beat them with being efficient. If you do those things with the way that the Chiefs are playing right now, they're not efficient. They're one of the most inefficient teams on first down in the NFL right now. They're terrible. I was looking at a stat earlier. They're terrible on first down. If you control the time of possession and you maximize each one of your possessions, you will win this game. And I think the Ravens will win this game handedly if they do that. Yeah, I think that one of the biggest things that they need to do is on the, the, the defensive side of the ball. I think, you know, you and I were talking about this pre-show. I, I agree with what your statement was. They really need, to tighten up against the, these tight ends. Kelsey, Kelsey's the top tenant tight end in the league right now. Yeah. Him and Andrews can fight it out, whatever. They're the top, it's the two top tight ends, the two top quarterbacks going at it. And arguably, some people aren't putting Marquise Brown in the conversation with Tyreek Hill, but the two are co- comparable as far as I'm concerned. Yeah. The speed that they bring, I think they I have a think similar Marquise, skill set for sure. Right. I think Marquise brings it a little. So these teams are fairly evenly matched. So how do we plan as a defense? If you're the defense, you're wink. How are you planning to handle Kelsey? The thing that you got to do is you got to ask more out of your linebackers and you got to ask more out of your safeties to, to help bridge that gap between, between uh, the backs and Kelsey and, uh, and the secondary, right? Because Kelsey, I mean, you've, like you said, you've had uh Njoku with the, the Browns who scored a touchdown on us. Then you had, um, uh, Fells, who had a couple of big catches against us, we've had problems with tight ends, right? Historically, you drafted, not this year. Right. You drafted Patrick Queen to be that more athletic guy, the guy that has the speed, the ability to, to cover some of these bigger play tight end you know, receiver types. And Kelsey's the biggest that they get, the fastest they get, the best of the best. This is a game where I'm going to have to see Patrick Queen step it up. He's been doing great so far. In two weeks, again, without any kind of preseason, he's done great, especially – tackling right it, the numbers are good tackling for loss reading and reacting doing really well finding the runner being but, able to stop the runner yeah. right this is going to be a huge test for him yeah this this is a is he is he a cj mosley or is he a true linebacker that can do it all one game's not going to tell you that but you're going to have to step this up is your and, biggest game you're going right. against the number one tight end arguably a the t- a top two top three quarterback 
Right. Right. And then you got you also have to you've got to cover your areas because I'll tell you what, Marlon, Jimmy, and uh Marcus are all gonna have their hands full in this game. Yeah. This this team is built on speed. So you they're all gonna have their hands full. They're all gonna have something to worry about. Yeah, and then switching over to the other side of the ball. Well, as far as Mahomes goes, right? You you gotta get to him early and often, like we talked about, they're yeah. not efficient on first down. So you got to continue to be disruptive with that, continue to throw off his rhythm. You got to account for Mahomes being one of the best playmakers in the NFL. He's going to make plays, right? You just can't let him capitalize on that once they get into the red zone. Let them have a little bit of room between the 20s, but really shut down when they get in the red you zone. Can, you have to, when I say, you know, early and often, I'm talking about early and often, meaning you have to put the pressure on him. You cannot get give him time to read through his progressions. Right. Force him to make the throw in his first one or two progressions, looking for a guy to throw it because he's he's feeling the pressure. Right. That's when Patrick Mahomes makes his biggest mistakes. Yeah. Is when he's under pressure and feels rushed. If we can start that early and just keep it on him it's going to be a different type of game from a defensive standpoint because you're forcing him to make bad throws. He's going to start questioning himself. That's what we want. We want him back on his heels. Yeah. I mean, and I think the chiefs are going to be out to prove something because right now, like I said, statistically, they're not where they normally would be. They're not the, the, the dynamic offense that you would think when you look at the numbers, the Ravens are fourth in yards per play in the NFL. Right now, the chiefs are 18th defensively. The Ravens are fifth against opponents yards per yeah. play the chiefs are 24th both of those numbers are not going to continue to be that way with the chiefs but do we get them at the right time right do we continue to keep them muffled and not doing what everybody expects them to do as an offense we saw what clyde edwards hilaire was able to do in week one right both catching the ball out of the backfield and as a runner we know that we've had some problems setting the edge in the past will edwards hilaire be a big factor in this game out of the backfield. That's, I mean, they, I think that's yet to be seen. Like we did have some, you know, we did stop Chubb a little bit, but we've had more tape on Chubb, right? Right. You, you have tape on a guy. You can look at his moves. You can look at you know, what are his tendencies. You don't have that as much with Hilaire because he's a guy that there's not a lot of tape on. By the way, did you see? Apparently, they spelled his name wrong last week. I did <laughs> on, on his, his jersey. jersey. Yeah, which is hilarious. Um, but for me, what those numbers that you were talking about tells me is. This defense for the Chiefs, this secondary is suspect. Yeah, I agree with that. At best. I expect for Lamar to show up. You talked about you know not trying to beat the, the Chiefs at their own game. Right. That is one thing I do want to see. I want to see them beat. I want to see our guys beat them a little bit and get some burns down the field. Get that Hollywood versus, you know, versus uh Miami that first week when we saw those burners down the field. Right. Give me one or two of those this game, and I'll be happy because that's we're getting above the secondary and we're getting those long touchdowns. He's finding his man, and he's able to drive downfield and get the points on the board quick. Right. My worry is that the reason the Chiefs didn't look great is that they were playing a subpar opponent last week, and they had the classic trap game, and they've been practicing for us for two weeks. Yeah. That's kind of how I looked at that. We didn't have that luxury so much. We still played worse against the Texans this year than we did the year before. Obviously, we sacked Watson a hundred times last year. So maybe there was a little trap game in it for us, but it looked like a full blown trap game for the chiefs. Cause they didn't, I mean, come on, San Diego didn't belong in that. 
No, they Las didn't. I, again, I mean, granted, it's a division rival, right? The division teams are going to know your strengths and weaknesses better than any other team. Yeah. Um, and you had the variable of a team not preparing for a quarterback like Herbert, right? The, the Chiefs have been preparing for Tyrod Taylor that entire week. <laughs> you're and then only, five minutes before the game, they drop that hammer. On your him. only film on him is available to everybody because it's called HBO, right? Like that's it, and it's tape for yeah that and and tape from Oregon, right? Days. Like that's about all you. But have you know they've made adjustments to him since then, right? right. It's, it's what happens when these guys come up to the NFL, right? Drew made a good point. You can't miss tackles. You just gotta again. It's it's all the basic fundamentals. If you can if you can do all the fundamentals well. And again, continue to be efficient on offense. I don't think the the Ravens have a problem winning this game. I think the Ravens will win this handedly. Yeah, I think we had a good uh, nut nasty says our our, our running backs are. You got to move it, Brian, so I can actually oh, see it. I'm sorry, about our, that. our running backs are the differences in offense, and our our cornerbacks on defense. Yeah, I don't disagree with that statement. I think we've seen that on on a regular basis. I think we're going to continue to see that. And this is the game where you need both sides to really kind of step up and show what they can do. All Go right, ahead, James. Real quick, but Kansas City has a great pass rush now. So right, but there's that. But that's, no, but they want, have to beat the they know, have but, to get the pass rush because their secondary know, but, sucks. I, exactly, but you want that deep play like Miami with Marlon Brown and all that. We need time you have for to Lamar have time to, to be able to get Orlando Brown's going to figure out how to deal with a speed rusher. <laughs> yeah, and, and, that and their pass rushing looks good too. Yeah, Chris Jones is, a, is is definitely a beast. Like this has been a test. The the some of the defensive lines that we've gone against and some of the singular players when you talk Miles Garrett, JJ Watt, and now you know Chris Jones, some of the best of the best in the NFL. It's been a tough stretch on our offensive line. All again, while they're trying to learn on the job, a guy playing out of position at right guard, another guy coming back from injury. There's a lot of questions, but I, I think the Ravens will be up to the task this week. So let's talk predictions. And if we're talking predictions. We're talking my bookie. It's my it's winning season right now over at my bookie. Winning season means double your first deposit. That's right. My bookie's hooking up all of our BSers with double the first deposit up to a thousand bucks with ten times rollover, Scott. Well, Fred, you may not have won this week, but I did. Right. I did okay. I was up. I just wasn't up as much as I hoped. It's because my bookie has it all, guys. Survivor, super contest, squares, along with full season individual games. And guys, those prop bets. I'm sorry, bro. <laughs> Ryan, you were so close on oh, that prop man. bet. So close, but it, it's it's not bad. There are tons of prop bets for everything. You name it, it's in there. So it's time to continue to get excited for this NFL season. Invest- Boyle! <laughs> what are you doing? <laughs> invest in yourself. Invest in your sports knowledge like Ryan did. He was just a little bit short. Don't be like Ryan. <laughs> Use our promo code BirdlandBS and they'll double your first deposit. This just adds a whole nother level to Sundays and football season. It adds excitement to all the sports you love and the games you bet. It's simple. Sign up, place your picks, win big, and collect your money. Yeah, and again, guys, use that promo code BirdlandBS. Double your first deposit with the 10-time rollover and start your winning season today only on my bookie. I tell you what, I'm going to be placing some some bets on some of the games. hundred percent, I am. I'm week. pretty confident this week. Uh, all three of these mm-hmm. these uh, prime. So games. let's let's recap. Let's everybody know where everybody stands, right? So Fred, so far on the season, six and three. I'm six and three. James is six and three. Ryan six and three. Ryan, you're five and four. What happened? <laughs> I have no idea. Week one is what happened. So yeah, week one. One yep. game. It means nothing. Uh, pick to click. So we all know pick to click. It's a, it's you, you get the you have to win with the team that you picked, and then it's the closest score. So last week it was Fred. Uh, he was five points off on the Ravens-Texans game. He had 
34 to 20. Final was obviously 33 to 16. So that is Fred one, uh, Scott one, Brian zero, James zero, and Ryan zero, even though I got to update our thing because I was messing around with it. Ryan had one. Ryan had one yeah, last week. Ryan had one. That's you. right. That's right. Right. So you with one, Ryan with one, and me with one. Yeah, I don't know. You have two on me right now. It's because we didn't update. All right. <laughs> but let's let's get into the Ravens game. We've been talking about it. Uh, Ryan, you have been kind of quiet on it. So I'm going to let you start here. Monday night football, no fans, M&T Bank. How do you see this game shaking out? All right. I got to uh, start with the bad news. I'll start with the bad news. Get it out of the way. Uh, Rip that Band-Aid off and then yeah. let everybody yell at you. I picked the Chiefs in this one. It's mm. close, 42-38. I'm gladly be wrong, uh, but also I just knew that these guys were all going to pick the Ravens, and uh, I'm trying to win. We're, <laughs> we're being a little homerish. He's trying to get to go against the numbers. None of the, none of the classic Birdland people were going to pick against the home team, so I was going to. No, but I just, I mean, they've gotten us so many times in a row. I would have loved the, the hometown crowd to be there. I would have probably picked the Ravens if we actually had a hometown crowd, but this empty stadium. And again, I feel like that tra- it was a trap game. I think they've been practicing for us for two weeks, and we didn't have the luxury of that when you're playing Deshaun Watson. You can't ignore him. Right. Well, let us know your predictions out there. I got this game being a close game. Um, I do think that this comes down to, again, whoever's the most efficient team on offense. Uh, I do have the the Chiefs kind of figuring things out on offense a little bit. Uh, they've had our number in both games already. But I do have the Ravens pulling this one out late. I've got the Ravens winning this 34-31. I think the Ravens defense, you know, they're going to get some points, but they're going to keep that record that I was talking about going before, 25 points and under. Okay. 24 points is what they allow, but they're going to score 28. Again, a close game. I think we're going to be able to put it up here. Uh, I I do see the Ravens winning this. Brian, what do you got? Yeah, I I see this also being a close game. Go figure. Um, But I think with the Ravens actually having a little bit of home field advantage, they're here in Baltimore this time. I got this coming down to a field goal. I got this to be 30 to 28 Ravens. All right, right. James, what do you got? I had this as the waterboard, the water boy game. You know, remember like Bobby Boucher stealing the the (laughs) handball. Stealing the handbook from from the the head coach and you know winning championships. I think finally Harbaugh gets his win against his mentor, and I have it uh, twenty seven twenty three. All, all right. right, so we're all yeah, on the Ravens except for Ryan. Ryan. Ryan's going for the uh, the whole. Somebody's got to be the outcast of the group. <laughs> he's playing the numbers. He's, <laughs> he, he's, he's trying, trying to, to get one up. <laughs> he's going to go one back. That's okay. Uh, th- <laughs> Thursday night football. Uh, when I first saw this, I wasn't intrigued on the schedule. I'm still not intrigued. You got the Dolphins going into Jacksonville to take on the Jaguars in the Battle of Florida. You want to know who's not intrigued? We're going to just start with the oddest, the oddest pick on this whole thing. Go ahead, James. Who is your pick to win this game? My pick is it's a tie because I don't I don't care. <laughs> this man, I'm not gonna be watching. I'm not gonna be watching it. <laughs> I just feel like they're by the way, we should we all should owe him something if he hits a tie on this. I yeah. will I will buy him a bottle of whatever whatever alcohol under fifty dollars he wants. I just don't care. Do, do the my bookie bet on that one, dude. This is yeah. my Thursday night. Let's put boring games on as always, and this is one of them. So we'll have many of them, and this is the first one. All right. Fair enough. I, I've got this being a close game, uh, two bad teams, but I do think Gardner Minshew. Minshew Madness. <laughs> Minshew Madness. I, I love his I love his style. It's hilarious to me. Uh, I, I think he does enough in this game. I think the Jaguars win this 31-30 on a last-minute field goal. I'm actually not far off there with you. I have it being a Jaguars win, 33-28. This actually might be the week. Gardner's sitting on my bench right now. 
this is probably the week I'm going to start him over Drew Brees because I think he's going to be able to put up some points and be able to be able to really help my help out my fantasy team, but also give me a win in this. All right. Okay. <laughs> Ryan or Brian? It doesn't matter. Ryan, Brian, it's okay. I get called Ryan. Away. No, you're good. Brian. Hey, uh, th- this one I'm kind of taking a little bit of leap of faith. It's just because it's it's two eh, teams, and I need to try to play a little bit of catch up. So I actually took the Dolphins to this one, uh, 24 to 20. All right, Ryan. All right, I got a 1721, I believe, in the Minshew Madness. I think Fred had a few uncles that looked just like him driving Thunderbirds <laughs> oh, around Essex. So, <laughs> so I, I got faith in him over there. He's Why do you keep whip that ball around? First. Uncle Rico. That, by the way. I don't, I don't know. I, just, I tell you who wins with, in, with words. <laughs> uh, anyway. All right. And then the final primetime game of the week. We got Sunday night football. We got the Packers going into the Saints. Saints just coming off of a uh, a bad loss yeah. to the Raiders. Uh, Packers continuing to to do well. They they look legit. Uh, Aaron Rodgers looks like he's real pissed off that they drafted a quarterback this year. Uh, Aaron Jones looks real good, and I'm glad he's on my fantasy team. Uh, I got this one being a close game too, but I think the Packers do enough. They win this one 35-30. I'm the other way on this. I've got the Saints winning this 30-27. to Close game, very similar you know, to what you were saying. I think the one flip side to here is Sean Payton's already pissed off about this offense. Him and Drew Brees have actually been vocal the past two weeks. I was going to say they were Uh, pissed off going into this week. It didn't work out for him. But you want to know the difference? This week, Sean Payton got fined $100,000. So I think he's going to go, stop making me pull down my mask and yell at you guys and get your shit together. This is It has to be their turnaround. Over under uh, Drew Brees completing five passes over five yards. I'll take the over. Breeze looks old. I'll take the over. <laughs> it, it, man. Does. Hey, it looks like father and time. It doesn't help when Emmanuel up. Sanders and is dropping those that. five, five, five I get that. And by the way, they announced those mask fines before Monday Night Football. Neither Monday Night Football coach wore their mask appropriately. And also, how did Bill Belichick get away Thank with not you. getting fined? Because the you. way he wore a mask was hilarious. Yeah. And was somehow like, it was yeah. upside yeah. down. Yeah. Right. It was upside down. It was on Jess's nose. He looked like the mermaid man <laughs> from fucking SpongeBob. What are you uh, doing? Wear your mask, bro. Oh man, they make it well, so easy. You can right. put a gator a on a shield. There's a hundred options. They're so yeah. easy. If you don't like the mask, pick something else. Hone it back in. We're talking Packers and Saints here, Ryan. <laughs> talking Packers and Saints. Who I'm the got? only one that's got it in a shootout. I mean, every week we've had some monster game with 450 yards both directions, and I think we finally get it from the Saints. We thought we were getting it from them in Tampa Bay earlier, but we didn't. So I got 42-35. Packers do win because Aaron Rodgers is unstoppable with or without Devontae Adams. <laughs> that is very right. true. Brian, what do you got? I'm actually going to take the Saints. I think Drew Brees kind of has a bounce-back game just just with the way they played in uh, Las Vegas. I almost said Oakland. I got to try to break the habit of that one. Yeah. Um, I just see them bouncing back. I got the Saints taking taking this win 30-23. to Only way I see the Saints winning this game is if they get Michael Thomas back. So we'll see what happens there. James, what do you got? Uh. Well, we know who's going to win because <laughs> are Scott, you sure about that, Nostradamus? Scott and Brian, they're both leaving because, as Stephen Smith says, that's a bad man over there. <laughs> I got the Packers 28 21. And, and like I said, if Michael Thomas ain't back, they ain't winning shit. All right, Scott, it's time for this week's Liquor Stop Brew of the Week. And what are we drinking on today? This is a familiar brand. So it is a familiar brand. This is from Sierra Nevada. This is their October Fest. <laughs> Uh, obviously, Chico, <laughs> California and Mills River, North Carolina is where it's from. Typical Oktoberfest, uh, very light, 
refreshing to me. I, I enjoy it. Um, some of the Oktoberfest you can get can can be a little bit more on the, the I'll call it the spiciness side because you get the you get a little bit more of the hops, so you get the bite to it. Yeah. Um, I think this is fairly light. I actually enjoy it. What do you think? Yeah, it's okay. I'm not a big Oktoberfest fan at all. Like, there's not. I think the only one that I kind of like is Sam Adams Oktoberfest. Outside of that, I just haven't been a big fan. This is okay. Uh, it's a little heavy in my opinion uh, for for an Oktoberfest, but you know, taste is okay. Six percent. I mean, that's kind of average for an Oktoberfest. I enjoy yeah. this much more than the mango beer you gave me before. <laughs> <laughs> he took one. He took one for the team because I was not drinking that one. This is that this was like very good happening. beer compared to the last beer I had. <laughs> well, make sure you get over to Liquor Stop. Tell them Birdland BS sent you. Get your ten percent off. All right, man. Uh, it's man. time for some bros, bows, and O's talk as we get close to wrapping up the season. Uh, but before we get into too much actual roster talk and actual baseball talk, you gotta you gotta talk about the the feel good story, the uh, man behind your head. Yeah, man, the, the the guy that we all knew that he was gonna push through this thing strong and get back better than ever. Trey Mancini uh, finished his last round of chemo treatment uh, and and is on the mend to recovery. Uh, so super excited. Good news uh, out out of Baltimore. Did you see the? Um, the 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 video that the Orioles posted where they gave him the signed picture. Yes. So yes. it was the team picture, all signed personal messages by everybody on the team. You could see him get teared up and everything. It was it was pretty cool to see. It was good to see. And I think, you know, he's been great throughout. By the way, have you watched or not watched, but have you listened to the the new podcast with him and Sarah Sarah Parman? I haven't. I've been wanting to listen to it and I just keep forgetting that it's even there. It's, so I it's actually it. pretty good. I, yeah. I enjoyed it. I've listened to it. Um uh, and it's 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 so weird to to have, you know, <laughs> Sarah Perlman was a Baltimore analyst, right, mm -hmm. for Massing. And so then she starts dating Trey through it all. And it's just been working for the two of them yeah. uh, through quarantine, through everything. Uh, she's helped him through the chemo and everything. She's been there for him. He's been there for her. It was her just her. God, I feel old. It was her 26th birthday. Um, how do you feel? Uh, I feel not much different. I had to go there. <laughs> I feel there. perfectly fine. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> but no, I I think it's 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 really great to see him, you know, kind of making those steps in that direction. Um, you know, the picture that that she posted on her Twitter outside of the cancer center, uh, yeah. right over your head is is you know we we cut it out, but you know him with the balloons and the congratulations and the excitement, and everything. It's just it's you couldn't you couldn't feel worse for a a better guy, right? Yeah, I mean because that's just what he is. He's he's one of my favorite players. Uh, just it just seems to be like a, a true leader in the clubhouse. Yeah. Uh, does anything that anybody ever asks. Doesn't complain about anything. Doesn't make excuses. Right. Holds himself uh, accountable. Yeah. Like didn't want to make a big ordeal about this whole you know this this huge life changing event you know in his life. Still uh, more focused on Mo. Right. Through, even going through his own struggle, still yeah. was more focused on Mo. But took because it on, he man. He, he took it on head first, uh, and 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 so far everything has gone good. Uh, obviously, like I said, last round of, re of chemo treatments, uh, everything is clear. And we so, have not seen the end of Trey Mancini. That is for sure. No, definitely not. Uh, but staying with uh, good news, uh, I think there's some rumblings out there that one Chris Davis <laughs> might be. We're done. seeing the end of somebody. Is he done for just this year, or is he done for good in an Orioles uniform at this point? Brandon's hide message on this was a little cryptic last week. That's why I wanted to ask you. I, it, it's it's back. I'm back and forth on it, right? Because it, the way that he said it, he was basically like, "Yeah, he's on the IL and he won't be back with us." Right. 
not won't be back with us this year. This year, I call this it the same season thing. won't be back with us. And we all know the history. The two of them got into it. They kept it in house. Fine, whatever. But God, I wish that would have happened this year. Yeah, because you would have heard it. We all would have known what have been said. And right. I, I, I think they have truly said they've said like this year you're not playing again this year and you need to to decide if you are even thinking about coming back next year because if you decide that you want to come back next year we may not have a spot for you right we'll pay you but you may not be playing baseball i think the conversations have already started or been had or something maybe i'm reading way too much into his comment maybe he did mean just this year but we all know what the issue is. Yeah. And it's Chris Davis mentally. And I, that th- you haven't heard a lot about the actual reason that he's on the IL. He's just dealing with some things and some injuries. Is it an injury to his brain? <laughs> I'm pretty uh, sure that's what it is. Yeah. And listen, our frustrations with Chris Davis are purely business and purely production. Like, I root for the guy, right? I, you never want to see somebody go from you know, making like a ridiculous contract and making one of the, you know, the richest deals in Orioles history, right? And being kind of at the peak of his game, you know, leading the league, leading the major leagues in home runs to falling flat on his face and just can't get to it becoming figured a out. joke of major league baseball, and, and literally. He literally has been. And I feel bad for the guy. But, you know, again, sports are a business, right? And you got you to gotta be able to separate your feelings from what your main goal is. And the main goal is is production and the main goal is rebuilding this team. He is not part of this future. He is not doing anything to benefit this team from a mentor standpoint, a coaching standpoint. He's not doing the one thing we wanted out of him, which was at least hit home runs. There are no benefits to Chris Davis. It's everybody that's saying, Oh, well the, you know, the contract was good at the time. No, the contract was never good for anybody that wants to make the argument. The contract was good. The contract was never good. Right. The contract comes down to he was good at a moment and we got blinded. If you go back and you look at why he bounced around, why he struggled in Texas, it's because he got in his own damn head. And now he's on his own damn head. It's a whole different level because now you have age involved and he's going, am I getting too old for this? Right. Right. He, he, He said that he he said in spring training that went through his mind. I don't know what the hell happened between COVID and spring training, but he got his ho- his head on a whole nother level again. Yeah. And it's just, look, it's time for you to step aside. I think, I, I hope, I hope this was Chris Davis's decision. I actually would have more respect for Chris Davis. Davis he, himself said has said in the past that he considered retirement. This yeah. was going back That's a what I'm year saying. or if two ago. If he's the one that said, put me on IL and just let me be done then I have a lot of respect for him if that story comes out. I, I gain a ton of respect for him at that point. Yeah. Because he's it's, it's hard for some guys to, to set this aside. You want to end on a good note. Right. And I'm sure he wants to. We all want him to. Right. And be like a, a full display. Like, he can bring people to a park hey. down there. Like you, yeah, He never wanted to do it. That's, that's mean, what I'm saying. He, it's, he it has it. to be his, his choice in order to do it. We can't make him go to AAA. But, but if you want to end on a high note, Go take a victory lap and beat the crap out of pitching in triple. So the A only, the only, the only. I don't, I don't even know if he, he can, can hit do that. that at this point. Yeah. <laughs> I really don't. So I don't even think he can you, hit you single actually, A. You actually got my head scratching here and head thinking a little bit because they Tebow could. can do it. Oh, jeez, stop, stop! <laughs> Christ, let's not go down that avenue, please. He might to, be a better contract. 
Well, keep anyway, in, keep in mind the Orioles also inflated that contract too. They outbitted themselves with that Chris Davis, so they've got a lot to blame with that Listen, contract. They as did, much but here's, here's, here's what Ryan got Davis. me thinking about. Right, so let's say he does right. He's he's getting paid next year no matter what. Period. Yeah. Right. So what if you present him with the option of hey, if you want to say you're recovered, if you really want to come back and try this another time. The only way we're doing it is you have to be in AAA for X amount of games and you have to be hitting X and then we'll bring you up. Those conversations, as much people don't think they happen, they do happen. I'm not saying it doesn't happen, but I just at this point... That's the only way that I think this happens. At this point, I just think the ship has sailed on Chris Davis completely. It's... it's, Louis Basics have a terrible mascot, so Chris Davis would be a much better one. I'm... I'm, (laughs) I'm thankful for the couple of years that he gave us of good productivity. He brought some exciting baseball back to Baltimore. He was part of that that run from 2012 to 2015. Can't deny what he brought us defensively either. Like That's why he got the contract that he did, and I'm thankful for those years. But it's been five years since then. The like, fans, I'm over it. He needs to go. The fans have to take a little bit of responsibility, too, though, because we trashed the Orioles for the whole year going up to that contract. They never pay anybody. He's leaving. They never pay anybody. And then we pay him, and now we're all like, why did they well, pay him? Well, the, the, actual, the debate back then was whether they were going to sign Davis or they were going to keep Cruz. Nelson Cruz. Right. Yeah. And the Orioles the obviously made the wrong decision there. Well, We've been saying that for years. He was younger. Well, well, it yeah, had a little bit to do with age, but not not much because I think he's only two years younger than than Nelson Cruz is. And the other thing with those is Nelson Cruz showed consistency and consistent progression. Davis was all over the place the whole time, Nelson and that's Cruz the big hit, issue. Nelson Cruz was hitting in big ballparks too, Seattle yeah. and, and Nelson Cruz is still hitting the cover off the yeah. baseball, right? Like it, it, that's one of the biggest misses I we think of that time. There. We definitely screwed that screwed the pooch on that one, but. A lot of people were happy at the time with the Chris Davis signing. I was one of them. I was happy with keeping a guy that's going to hit 50 home runs a year, even if he only hits 200 or 225. I'm good with a 50 home run guy in the middle of your lineup. But he's not that, and he hasn't been for five years. I was happy to keep a guy, but I wasn't happy to keep a guy that's been inconsistent in his career and to to give him the contract that But they he did. really hadn't been inconsistent in his Orioles career. He was inconsistent. Which was they, three they years labeled, long. They, yeah, but, I mean, that's Pretty all the good. sample size you had to go off of. You had to sign him at that point. If the Orioles didn't, I think the Tigers, I believe, were in the mix for trying to offer him a big deal at the time. I wish they would have taken <laughs> it. Yeah, Don't man. get me wrong. But that's that was it. It was either you're going to lose out on Nelson Cruz and then potentially lose out on Chris Davis, too. The, the, the Birdland would have flipped their lid. If we would have lost out on both of those guys at that time, that'd be normal though. But anyways, what happens if we just bring them back and let them switch right-handed, <laughs> or let or let him pitch? Why not put him in a bullpen or something like that? I think know? he'd have more productivity there. Yeah, he would. All right, let's let's kind of move over to the actual team that's been playing recently. Um, <laughs> Why this is well, much more fun? <laughs> so another guy that that goes goes down, uh, but this was them sending him down. Back to the the Bowie, you know, training center. Yeah, Andrew Velasquez kind of showed good riddance and and you see know, you later. Little firecracker spots that he's he's been able to show some speed. He's stolen some bases here or there, yeah. but he's just not consistent enough to be in the major leagues. And shows it, it's just continued to show he can't hit at the plate. He struggled at the plate really badly. He's it, another one of those three A four A players. He'll yeah. never amount to anything on a major league roster. No, but the team then recalls Evan Phillips. 
Um, and Brandon Hyde's interest, interesting statement on this. He says, with Hayes and Mullins being out there, we feel comfortable with our outfield depth. With Pat Vileka being able to play short, we wanted an extra arm for down the stretch. Yeah. So they're pulling in that extra bullpen arm, giving up a guy that can play a few different positions in Velasquez, but nothing stopping you from bringing this kid back up later if somebody does get hurt. I agree with his analysis, and I've thought that now for weeks, is I think Vileka is probably the best super utility guy that we have on our on our squad right now. And He's been I think pretty good, yeah. He does pretty good pretty much anywhere you put him. I like Hayes and Mullins, and you've got those guys in a rotation as that third and fourth outfield out there. Uh, Velasquez was the odd man out, and like I said, based on his production, there there really wasn't a need for him here. He he wasn't no. major league in my major league material, in my opinion. Well, and to the point that he brought up with with you know he he specifically said Pat Vileka being able to play short, and that's because again, poor guy, but he's been injury prone. Jose Iglesias down with another injury. Again, freak scenario, right? I was going to say, it's not, it's again, you label everybody injury prone. That's a freak accident. He got hit in the wrist. There's nothing he could have do, done about it. His Tavon, Ta- Tavon Young, I'll give it to you because he consistently has knee injuries. But I mean, he, he got hit in the wrist. Like, there was nothing he could have done about that. Well, that's twice. This is twice now that he's. I am Iron Man. This is twice <laughs> now that he's gotten. He's had wrist issues. Uh, but no, so he gets it. They're, they're saying, thank God the x rays are showing that it's negative. Um, no fractures or anything, but it was really like what I saw out of that guy. Contusion. Not just defensively, because we all knew what he was going to bring with the glove. Right. Uh, but how was his back going to translate here? And I mean, his first two weeks, he was on. Fire. He hit for average here, and he hit pretty much all through the lineup. The Orioles were moving him all around the lineup. I like Jose Iglesias. I think he's a good stopgap shortstop for us for the future uh, to get us through a couple years as some of our younger prospects develop. I yeah. like Iglesias. I, it, it's funny that you, you, know, you bring up some of the younger prospects because this one has a local tie that they brought up this week. Ellicott City native and left-handed prospect Bruce Zimmerman gets brought up. Yeah. And Towson, right? uh, Yeah, I think he went to Towson for a little while. Um, But it really got me thinking. These guys are coming up and they're making their debuts in front of no fans. Yeah. Right. So you think about him, Keegan Aiken, Ryan Mountcastle. Who was the other pitcher outside of Aiken? Um, Oh, Kramer. Kramer. D. Kramer. All coming up, making impacts in front of nobody. Yeah. Right. Your family can't even be there. That's 2020 for you, or Scott. That's <laughs> a shit yeah. year. It's 2020. That's what it is. Put yourself in their shoes for a second. We both have played at fairly high levels in, in baseball, right? We haven't gotten to that level. No. I wish we would have. We probably wouldn't be doing this podcast. Definitely wouldn't. <laughs> <laughs> maybe if we're training this team, maybe we would There be. was so much honesty in that statement. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> nope. Nope. But <laughs> not interested. <laughs> Put yourself in their shoes. What would you be feeling like going out there for your debut and not having knowing that your your parents aren't up there in a suite or in the stands, right? We just saw a few years ago. Remember when Trey Mancini made his debut? His family is there. He hits a home run. Yeah. His mother's going out. All those videos that we've seen of these guys across you, you don't have that this year. Yeah. And it just got me thinking. It's not just for the Orioles. Can you imagine what these guys are going through? You. you you think about this your entire life, your entire career, and now you're here, and no one's here to see it. 
I mean, I do think it's a damper on the parade, but I mean, you're still, you're at, you're at the pinnacle of your sport. You're at the highest of levels. You're playing in these historic ballparks. Cam Yard's one of the most historic ballparks in, in, in baseball now, right? It's one of the most beloved stadiums in, in, in baseball. Yeah. Uh, I still think that the novelty of that and, and the achievement of being at the major league level, you're still going to be able to celebrate with your family. We saw all the videos and stuff with Mount Castle when he came up, when he came up, the Orioles presented like, I, I think a phone or an iPad to him and his, his fan, his, his family yeah. had recorded like this whole video for him. It's different, but this is 2020. Does it suck? Yeah. Is it ideal? No. Is it what they hoped for? Probably not. But at the end of the day, these guys are playing baseball at the major league level. Like regardless, I still think that the, the 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 achievement doesn't get tarnished. At it hasn't all. been yeah. ideal for years. I mean, you've been twenty percent capacity or worse. Every That's true game too. That's a great for point. a long, yeah, long. The time. difference is, is is the people that are closest to you are there to to be there. It's a moment with you. All those people are going to be together at the house watching on TV. They're gonna. I mean, it's it's gonna. Yeah, be I get it. It's, I guess in my in my eyes, it's a different scenario. Yeah. There's different things that run oh, through your head not, when you can't. It's certainly not perfect. Twenty twenty is terrible. <laughs> You're not going to hear me. I know. Drew's right. telling me Scott, stop being being depressing. I'm sorry. <laughs> Sorry. Well, let's let's get it away from the, the depression and let's talk about two pitchers that have been off the charts in their past two starts. Yeah, Keegan Aiken gets his first win Saturday with nine Ks. Yeah, he looked damn good. Had four pitches working and was locating excellently in this game. Again, this just goes to what I was talking about last week. I, that's why I'm so excited for the future of this team, and I don't think we're as far away as some people think we are from turning the corner and being competitive again. I mean, when you look at the totality of the season, granted, it's, it's, it's only a 60 game season, right? There's only been really two games in this entire stretch where we were blown out, right? Where we lost yeah, pretty it was, bad. It was what the, the, the first Nats game of the, the year. Or was, that's in Boston. Boston yeah. Nats in Boston, right? We're like the only two games this year. But they've scored above 10 runs. We weren't competitive in it, right? Yeah. Outside of that, we were in every single game. That's why I think like the, the, the Keegan Aiken is of the world, the Dean Kramers of the world, right? All these guys coming up and showing that they can compete at the major league level. That's a huge sign for the future because the best of the best still hasn't gotten here. Grayson Rodriguez still hasn't gotten here. DL Hall still hasn't gotten here. Yeah. The best of the best of our young arms have not gotten here. That just to me in the next, I think, year. We will be competitive again. Well, and for, for people that were worried about John Means, he proved on Sunday. Yeah. I don't know that you have a whole lot to be worried about. Career, career game. game for him. Yeah, career game. The dude had in five and two-thirds two -thirds inning pitch. He only gave it one and run, but he had 12 Ks, a career high, 12 Ks. Uh, that included seven consecutive Ks between the first and third innings. Uh, that's a team. The team as a whole in that game had 16 total Ks. That was one shy of a team record. Yeah. Of yeah, a club record. It, it was it was nice to see. He's he bounced back. And the only reason he went five and two thirds was because he was on a pitch count. Right. Right. That's the only reason. He's been on a pitch count since he came back. Yeah. And and ultimately I was gonna ask you, but I already know the answer. Good sign to see him you know, have a nice bounce back here. A hundred percent. Yeah. This is one of the question marks. Like wasn't a question mark going in this year. You thought this was going to be your ace, but then he came out and had a little bit of a, a rough couple of first starts. The only thing that I saw out of the first couple starts that was encouraging was the improved speed, the improved yeah. velocity on his fastball. I thought, eh, maybe the first start or two, he was just a little lamped up, a little excited to play. But you saw him continually hitting 94, 95, 96 mile an hour in this game. 
if John Means can get back to the same type of control that he had last year and have that velocity, that's going to go good for him going into next year. Yeah, everybody's giving me crap on depression, by the way. Craig says give Scott a tequila shot to make him happy. <laughs> I won't do a tequila shot, but I'll do a screwball shot. So happy. Cheers. And Brian, we're going to throw Cheers. it to you for a uh, social media shout hey, out, buddy. Just, just to <laughs> let you know, Al, um, Aikens ain't doing too well tonight. No, he's not. Why you got to be depressing? <laughs> I'm not. I'm just, now you got to right, now you now do a shot. Come on. You, <laughs> yeah, social media shout right. out. Shot. All right, Brian. Who do we got out there? Who's been chiming in? Any good questions that we've got? All right. Let me run this down. So I got Drew, Garnett, Kamal, uh, Deshaun, Ray, Steven, Christy, uh, Venomous Raven, and another, and Justin. Um, so... Uh, you guys were bringing up about memes. Do you see him being part of the future, or do you think the Orioles are going to try to flip him for more prospects? Um, memes, I, I think, is definitely a part of the future, uh, especially, like I said, right now you're trying to evaluate all the arms that you have from a, from an age standpoint. I think he's, what, 25, 26 years old, so he's still in the the, the early parts of his he's prime. he's 25. Yeah, yeah, he's still early. Like, yeah, 25 he's still, 24. Yeah, yeah, he's so really early. Unless a team wows me with some crazy trade offer, I'm like I told you before, I'm listening to everything. You know, some GMs in the past, they they'll turn the door the, the door closed on certain players. I'm listening to everybody. I'm listening to all offers on everything, but it's going to take a lot to get John Means. Yeah, I'm right there with you. I think it, John Means is the ace of the future as long as he continues to develop and they continue to work with him and and help develop pitches and get him over little humps like this. I think he's your ace of the future, and and who knows what you still even have. And, and to to Drew's point out there too, like we keep we talk about him a lot. Adley Rutschman, right? The one inconsistency, given. <laughs> the one inconsistency on this roster has been the catcher's position, right? Between the three catchers that we have, when you get a solid good catcher behind the plate that's consistently working with your staff. They build chemistry. They learn each other better. They know what each other wants as far as pitch selection goes. That's going to be a huge factor in some of these pitchers' growth as they continue to build. So if if Adley Rutschman is at the major league level come this time next year in the September call-ups, I think the following year, so 2022, we will be competitive again. So we will be competing for a playoff spot. I'm going to make a parent correction that I just looked up because I thought it was more than this. The September call-ups, which happened this past week, was two players. Two. Normally, it's like eight. Right. I'm a little annoyed now. I didn't even realize that. Yeah. I'm I, surprised. Thought, I thought I was going to see Adley this year. I thought so too. I'm kind of surprised that he has. Do you bring him up the last game of the season just because? No, no. If you haven't brought him up, I mean, what's one game going to tell you? If you're going to bring him up, bring him up at least for a week, two weeks to get some sort of like tape on him. Get him better do it tonight. (laughs) One game not going to do enough for me. Any other comments out there, Brian? That's all I got right now. All right, right, Ryan. It's time for you to shine. Is this shell and tell, man? Football's back. Terps are back, baby. All right, let's pretend it's back. Let's do this. I was going saying, back I was and forth saying, so much. Let me let me temper the expectations. It's back. In kind, a month. Kind of. <laughs> sort Maybe. of. I mean, you know. We hope so. I, I'm pretty sure it's going to be back. But after the Big Ten leaks that there's a vote that says we're not going to play football and says, oh, no, 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 there's been no official vote. And then six hours later, it's like, yeah, there was a vote. And then we didn't have football. You go back and forth so many times. I can't take you seriously till I see the ball in the air. But. 
I'm still looking at it. I handed out my first shell and tell card. I've handed out in four <laughs> months today. I was, saw a guy in a Maryland hat and got all juiced up. I was like, hey, check this out, bro. <laughs> all right. Well, I got the good stuff. Well, let's dive into what this season's going to look like. Uh, Big Ten set to kick off on October 24th. We go on the road to start the season at Northwestern. Uh, this It's a new format to this year. It's an eight and one schedule explain ryan oh and this is my favorite part of the whole thing even if it doesn't happen <laughs> i hope this sticks around so there they have said this eight plus one is the plus one is the inaugural big 10 champions week okay. so we've always had the big 10 uh championship game between one and one right. of east and west well now they're just expanding that it's the one and one of east and west the two and two the three and three the four and four so it's a way to build an extra big 10 game in and get everybody playing an, an, an even-ish opponent, okay. which would really help a team like Maryland that's in the stacked Big Ten East. So our fifth is probably the same or better than their fifth. Okay. <laughs> All right. Well, let, let's take a look at the uh, the schedule as we start on the road, like I said, uh, at Northwestern. Then we're home uh, against Minnesota. Brian, Ryan, will you be there? Uh, I mean... I- <laughs> I'm tempted. Speechless. He just got. So they have said no fans in the stands. They projected, but I mean, Fred's down. I'm totally down with with uh, tailgating in an empty parking lot. Like a hundred percent, I am. Absolutely. <laughs> let's get. Let's. Get, we might have to go. We've like, been tailgating there in your driveway, plenty, like in his. There so are plenty go. of spots outside of that stadium where even if they don't let people in, we can still get a glimpse of the field. I'm not gonna lie. We should probably do it without alcohol, so there's no chance of getting arrested. But we should still <laughs> yeah. go because like, you know you just start drinking in public without the, the tailgate fakeness, you know that somehow makes drinking in public legal. <laughs> but yeah, I'll go. That'll be a lot of fun. <laughs> All right, like I said, let's look at the schedule. Start off at Northwestern on the road, home against Minnesota, back on the road against Penn State. This is where the te- the schedule gets tough. Minnesota, Penn State on the road, at home against Ohio State, at home against Michigan State. On the road against Indiana and Michigan, home for Rutgers, and then the big tournament game that you were talking about to wrap it up. So looking at that schedule, uh, there's some daunting tasks on that schedule. Two, three, and four. Week two, three, and four are rough. <laughs> I mean, if we win those any of those games, it's a miracle. And if we are within 17 points of those teams, I'm happy. <laughs> well, we, we put a poll out on Twitter about this saying that where the fans – saw this team winning in eight games, right? The the fans, 40% said three to four total wins that they see for this team. Would you agree with that or would you disagree with that? That was exactly where I put it. I put it at four. The way I look at it is we have four winnable games on this. Winnable is different from winning. That's what I'm saying. So we have winnable matchups. And the way I list them is Northwestern, Michigan State, Indiana, and Rutgers. And there's like this 1% chance at Michigan. The others are miracles if they happen. Right. So I look at that as four winnable games. We go three and one in that, in my best case scenario. And then we win the week nine matchup against whoever's 
the West opponent. That's yeah. the way I'm looking at you, it. You basically went right down the same list that I had. I had Northwestern. I had Indiana for sure, and I have Rutgers for sure. Michigan State was the one that I was kind of – that's looked the, good against Michigan State the last game I know, last year. I know, but it was a shitty conditions. There was a lot of factors in that. I do think that the, the Terps, especially with the new quarterback play and, and some of the new weapons that we have at wide receiver yeah. and all that stuff, I think that bodes well. I do think that the Terps win four games this season off of this schedule. That brought up our second poll that we put out there, uh, which was we wanted to see what the fans thought they needed to see to believe in the Locks message, right? To believe in Locks progression, right? 53% of the fans said they need to see three plus wins this season to say Locks is showing the proper progression in, you know, all of these changes and everything that's moving on. What's your take with that? Do you think that that's, that's reasonable expectation? Yeah, I think three is good with nine games played. Three is a pretty solid showing compared to what we've been doing. Right. Um, I, I, to be fair, two is better than what we were doing with the yeah. nine game schedule. So, but three plus is great. And then the biggest, best point we saw on that was actually a comment that basically said it's less about the number of wins and more about our losses. How yeah. bad are they? Are we losing 59 nothing? And that's what or I was going to ask you. That's what I was going to ask in. you, Scott. So are you on the same page with us, like three, four wins looking at this schedule? I'll be honest. There's a lot of question marks this year for me. Okay. I think there's, <laughs> I th when I look at this schedule, I think there's two wins. Two. Okay. I think there's two wins. I think it's Indiana Northwestern. The Rutgers game last year, if I remember correctly, correct me if I'm wrong, that was a close game. Nope. Wrong. Rutgers, no. Was that we wrong? You're thinking of Temple. You're though. thinking of Temple where we lost, but it was okay. Close. That's all right. That maybe that's one the one that I'm thinking of. Then for me, I I look at this. I say that there's there's some question marks. Three wins, yes, is progression. I agree with the second poll there. Three plus wins is progression. I just don't know that I see four four wins on here. I don't know that I see it. I three wins. I think is going to be a fight. This is this is against some of the top tier teams, and you're going against you know <clears> after <throat> you're done them. Some of these guys are going to be dejected. We don't know. Look, we hope and we expect Tolia to be good. Mm -hmm. We don't know what he's going to do under locks and this offensive scheme. Right. You're hoping it's going to work. But you also have some guys that are opting out so far. I think we have, what, six guys that have opted out? Well, one opted back in. Yeah. A big one. Johnny Jordan, our center. Okay. That's a huge get back for the offensive line. That's That's one of my biggest question marks about – Talia or Lance Lejean, whoever the starting quarterback's going to be, if they can't stand on their own two feet, it does you no good who's back there. I don't mm -hmm. care. Boomer size and suits, suits up again tomorrow. It doesn't matter. So that's the big question mark. Getting Johnny Jordan yeah. back is a huge, huge. And game. there were uh, there were multiple opt outs, but really that with Johnny Jordan back, the only two that hopefully would have hurt you because the others are really depth pieces is Austin Fontaine and Chigaconquo. So Austin Fontaine hurts your offensive line. Chigaquanko Chig is a tight end. Huge rushes loss. our tight end because that was right. he was the tight end for this squad. Right, he we was your number one tight end. Yeah. yeah. So that's that's really big. You had pretty much nobody to replace him. They've they've swapped over a defensive end and a um a linebacker. I think are our new yeah. tight ends. All, All right. So so, so we're gonna make. Two, it. I think two, but I'm happy with three. Make your prediction on air. How many wins do you see? I know you said three, maybe four. Yeah, What's your prediction? Three in the regular season and one in the in the ninth week. So four wins. Four total wins, Scott. I. <laughs> 
I'll go three because I don't know who we're going to face in that in that last week. It's going to so be I'll an even th- matchup. Like Ryan said, to Ryan's point, it's one versus one, two versus two, three so versus three. If you got us winning two games, then that's, then that means we're going to go against the last place team in the West. So I'll go three then, I guess. <laughs> so yours I is just, three. Yeah, I think I think there's a, there's there's too much going on elsewhere to to say that we're going to be able to be in competition with some of these other teams. I, I'll go four. I do yeah. think I do think that they win four. And I, I will think, say is big a homer as I, I am. hope I'm wrong I, I no joke I hope I'm wrong I think yeah. Northwestern's winnable Michigan State's winnable uh, Indiana's winnable Rutgers winnable and the last game of the year is winnable that's five games give me one of those to play with I think you get down now, to four. Vegas was right last year and this year they got a 17 point dogs against Northwestern so we could all be wrong 17 <laughs> points 17 point dogs against Northwestern wow. uh, you would think is our second easiest game of the year so that's not great um, but I will say, I mean, yes, I know that all shell and tell fans are Maryland fans, right? But most of the time, Maryland football pa- fans are barely realistic. Like, we've been beaten into submission. We get who we are. <laughs> right. So, but 20% of the respondents had five plus wins. I'm not in that five plus wins category. So there's some bigger homers out there. You all so, want to come on the well, show. Give me I, a call. Was, I was a huge <laughs> homer last year. What did I tell you? Oh, you had all kinds yeah, of stuff. Ridiculous. Last year. Kaylee says three to four wins and Drew says two wins for him. So Drew's on the same boat as me. He doesn't. Okay. He, doesn't, he thinks there's a lot of competition out there. I taught year. the wife, right? She's good. <laughs> all right. So all let right. me, let me ask you guys this, right? Yeah. You guys, you guys are the show and tell experts. So are, do you have like major concerns or, you know, about this season and the COVID plans? And, you know, we just saw everything come out with like half the LSU team. I think it's 19, 19 players or something that have been of their starters have been diagnosed with with COVID at this point. It's in some way, shape or form. Like I, I, I'm definitely concerned speaking for the Terps, right? It comes down to survival of the fittest, how prepared is this team? How how hard have they been hitting it in the weight room? Uh, what have they been doing from a nutritional standpoint? Like, there's a lot of question marks that I worry about with this team, just because we're not privy to that information, right? We're seeing some of the top organizations in the NFL fall left, you know, players falling left and right due to just soft tissue injuries and just not being prepared, you know, for for an NFL some of season. Them not in shape either, right? I worry about that with with the with the Terps as well, especially with some of the injury history that we've had at, at key positions, right? I don't know if you're feeling that same way, but that's definitely a concern for me. So my one of my bigger concerns is, I mean, yes, COVID is going to happen. Uh, there's been lots and lots of COVID in college football. No hospitalizations yet. Haven't seen it. Hope it doesn't happen. Right. My concern is with the response the Big Ten plan. So the Big Ten put out their like medical plan for what COVID is. And it comes down to they're worried about this cardiac result from COVID that was in like one study that said there were cardiac issues. Related. Yeah. So. They're talking about these MRIs and, and cardiac ECGs and all these things of after you get diagnosed with COVID, putting all these these players through this in order to get them back on the field. Great. But you didn't do a baseline test on any of these guys. And as you guys know, as NFL fans, every year we get to the NFL combine and find some magical disease that this these players had that never gets to play football again. Right. Every year, when you get into that level of testing, when you get into cardiac MRIs and, and contrast imaging, you find stuff you didn't know was there. Right. So if you're not doing a baseline test on these people, and you're just going to test them after COVID, like you can't build a better scenario for a scare tactic. You're going to find something in one of these players, and you're going to automatically say, COVID did that. 
Right. We don't know because you didn't check them beforehand. Right. So I feel like you're just like asking to shut the season down by by only testing afterwards. It's a very strange plan to me. That's, but it's a good point. That's my thing. That's a good All point. Right, fair enough. Fair enough. That's a good point. All right. Well, let's give the fans out there that maybe don't know a whole lot about what this football squad's going to look like. Right. A couple of players for everybody to kind of keep an eye on this year. Ryan, I'll let you start with your guy, the guy that I know you've been hyping up <laughs> since before he committed to the day that he committed to running on the beach like him Wait, and doing everything he can. Say, let's not forget. Can we pull up the video. Pull up the video. <laughs> <laughs> Who's your player to watch for the Terps? All right, my man. My man says he's going to be the greatest linebacker in Terps history. And in order to do that, you got to at least show up and be a participant this year. That's some big shoes. Some you're talking EJ Henderson. You're talking Sean Merriman. You're talking some big shoes to fill. I'm not going to guarantee it, but I'd say he's got a shot. It's not just somebody talking trash. Mr. Ruben Hippolyte. This man works out like the best of them. Seems to have a great head on his shoulders. Super pleasant. We've interacted with him a lot. A, a fan guy. He was down with Terp Takeover from the start. He was Mr. Terp Takeover, and I can't wait to actually see you on the field. I salute you, Mr. Ruben Hippolyte, and God, I hope I can get in that stadium to see you rock some people. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, for me, I think the 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 player I'm most excited for. I love Ruben, and I'm super excited to watch him play, and I'm, I'm super excited to see what kind of impact he can have on that defense. But for me, it comes at the position that. I think single-handedly is the most important position in all of professional sports, and it's the quarterback position, and that's Talia. I think I think Talia is going to win this job. You've got a close battle going right now between him and Lance Lejean. I don't think they bring a guy like Talia in and get the commitment on the transfer unless he was a hush-hush, wink-wink, nod to, to get the starting job. Yeah. Um, my concern with Tali is obviously the offensive line. Like I said a couple of minutes ago, there's a lot of questions with the offensive line, and he's only as good as his offensive line. Now, to that to that point, his offensive line in high school was god-awful. It was terrible. Every footage or tape that I watched of him in high school was him running for his life, right? They say he's an underrated scrambler. I think he's got good mobility. So I think where we saw Piggy, able to kind of make plays moving out of the pocket. The problem with Piggy was he couldn't hit the bright side of a barn. His accuracy was awful. Talia is a very accurate quarterback. I think he'll be the biggest difference maker for this Terp squad moving forward. So it's interesting you brought up Talia because he's – the one thing that you you knocked was, you know, mobility, right? right. And it's be, partially because he's a little bit bigger of a guy, right? He, he's mm. a little thicker in some ways. So with that, there's two guys that I actually look at. One is Nick Cross, right? Nick Cross is a guy that is, as we've called him, the key to the DMV. This kid is active on social media. He he is the key to the We're DMV. We're all high on Chris on Nick Cross. We love Nick Cross. I want to see him do well. Grown yeah. man. Yeah. He but, came into college a grown man. Bacon <laughs> yeah, right. plays as soon as he hit the field. Yeah. The 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 other guy that I'm watching is at the quarterback position. Watching Lance LeJean. Piggy's gone out of the transfer portal. Josh Jackson has opted out. Of Josh this Jackson. Point. Josh Jackson has opted out at this point. Jackson, you say? We opted him out. <laughs> yeah. I, I hope that was the case. Um, but so now you have Tully, yep. right? And you have Lance behind him. Yep. With what we've seen out of the way that this offense works. Now, granted, we haven't quite had a quarterback like Talia. Yeah. But I think the fact that there's question marks question marks 
on who's going to start at quarterback bodes in Lance's favor. There's some things that he needs to work on, but what I do want to see out of him is when he does get a shot, I'm really hoping to see the progression out of him. If, if he does get a shot, I don't personally, I, I don't see it happening. I think that Tali is going to come in. I think he'll prove that he's a, he's a, he's a good quarterback that he'll be here for the next, what he'll be here for two years. I think two, years. two, two more years. So, uh, I think he'll be the quarterback of the future. And I think that will ultimately be to Lance Lejean's detriment. And I think eventually you might see Lance transferring out of the university of Maryland. I hate saying that, but it comes down to playing time. Right, this kid was a four-star quarterback, highly touted coming out of college. He's going to want to play. He turned down Florida State to come here, and now you get a transfer from Alabama that's taking his starting his starting role. I think he might go somewhere else if he doesn't get the role this year. Whoever whoever starts a quarterback has the most stacked wide receiver core we have oh, ever had. Hundred percent. I mean, I mean, you got Rakeem Jarrett, one of the best recruits we've ever had come in, going to be an impact player day one as a true freshman, and then. Well, we'll put uh, Fred on the, on the spot here. Ch- Scott, you can chime in too. Do we have draft day picks in either Jashwan Jones or Dante Demas? Because they're both draft eligible after this year. No. Neither one of them. <laughs> no. Not even Dante. Not, Dante's got the body for it. I, I just don't think there will be enough production from him to be able to, to, to warrant leaving early. So you think the next draft pick is Nick Cross? Uh, yeah, the next draft pick is Nick Cross, 100%. Okay. That was, I was Absolutely. wondering whether it was this year or I, the next. I, I, listen, I love this wide receiver core, Jason Jones, Dante Demas, Rocking Jarrett. Then you got the other rookie uh, or uh, freshman coming in, uh, McDougal, right? They've yep. got a great So four- good that four-star Isaiah Hazel had to switch to the defensive side because right. he's like, I'm out, there's too much. And senior <laughs> wide receiver DJ Turner so had to transfer. Now, granted, he, he left after, before. Big, after Maryland said no football. Right. I think he well, was going to play for us. Right. But he got he got an opening touchdown yeah, in his opening first day week. touchdown. Yeah. The, the thing that I would say with that, right, is is with Dante with Dante Demas, he really hasn't had a quarterback that can show off his skill set. Right. That may be the deciding factor, right? If Talia co- comes in and makes him look like the star that he really should if, be, if, it was a huge if. Yeah. If Deshaun Jones maybe. has the same year as freshman year was. <laughs> Yeah, well, he came onto the scene, and guns blazing. It's crazy to think that he's a junior now. Yep. Right? Sat out last year, freshman year, starts with a passing, receiving. And, how fast these careers uh, go, man. Rushing touchdown, his first three touches. Yeah, unreal what that kid did in his first game and his first year as a freshman. But uh, I, I really like the offense. I Listen, running back is obviously a, a, a young position group. We got some young guys coming in that are going to have to prove their worth. Uh, we do have... Um, uh, Fleet Davis, who will be back, he'll probably be the 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 bell cow, I would think, mm-hmm. to start the year. But once these freshmen get a little bit of work in there and they see that they can still compete at this off, you know, at this Big Ten level behind this offensive line, I'm okay with the running back options that we have. Fair enough. There's one other thing that I wanted to bring bring up to both of you guys. We we talked about this a little bit this past weekend watching the Ravens game. Um, so Ohio State announces. The only fall sport to go will be uh, their football team, right? Mm-hmm. So you have all the other fall sports are not going to play in the spring. I don't want to. I'm going to knock on wood as I say this. COVID hits again. If that were to hit again and we were to be put in that scenario, a lot of the other Big Ten, ten teams are expected to follow suit and not have. Nobody's announced it yet that I've seen. Maybe you guys have seen differently. 
but a lot of teams are a lot of of schools are expected to follow suit and say, yeah, our our other fall sports are going to play in the spring. It hits again in the spring, and these teams don't get to play. Is this not a Title Nine nightmare, Brian? I mean, it's a Title Nine nightmare no matter what because Title Nine was going to cause every male sport, but football and basketball, to be canceled if we didn't play this season. Title Nine was going to cause most female sports to be canceled if football and basketball didn't play this year because title nine doesn't belong in college i don't know why it's here i I get the female athletics should be supported all the way through childhood equally there's no reason to not we need to bring up but when you're talking about college they make money the same argument for why we should pay our players they're making money so you can't just say you have to spend equal money on something that loses money and something that makes money. You right. shouldn't have to spend the same amount on baseball or football because baseball doesn't make any money. Right. So I, Title IX doesn't belong in college, but yes, it could be an issue, but it doesn't matter because it's it's a long overdue fight that these colleges need to get into because it doesn't belong there. These are adults. People like to talk about these kids in college as kids and that we need to make decisions for them. They're 18-year-olds. They're making their decisions. They could go off to war. They can go do things that you don't want them to be able to do somewhere else. They are adults making adult decisions. They opt in or opt out just like everybody else. Leave it be. Fair enough. I think it's well said. Fair enough. I mean, I guess I look at it and I say, uh, personally, I, I agree with you, but I also try to look at the devil's advocate side and say, is it fair that these people, I know that there's, yes, there's not that many professional field hockey leagues out there. But this is their chance to go shine and do well and have have their extracurricular and be able to 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 show what they can do. Some of them, some of them, hey, maybe maybe they get a a uh, Olympic spot out of it. Now you could be denying them them that. That's my only argument against that is that in some of these situations, you could be denying these kids a chance at an Olympic spot, which if if that's you're saying, I disagree with you if it comes to when it comes to that shot. Right. This is your this is your chance. And for some of these soft, the, uh, not sophomores, but the juniors and the seniors, especially who knows if they, they haven't announced years of eligibility for them for next year yet. If you if you took Title nine out of college, I strongly believe that you don't lose all these sports. What you do is you see them different. Yeah. You see Maryland field hockey and Maryland cross playing regionally. The things that are expensive for college travel. sports are travel yeah. to put all these players on planes and buses and go places. If Maryland field hockey and lacrosse played Towson and Virginia and Salisbury and all these local schools within three hours of there, it would cut the cost by 80% of what it would cost to run that program. You could still have a functioning college program, but there's no reason to cut costs in it right now because you have to spend the same amount of money on them as you do the male sport. So you just dump cash into flying them all across the country and doing whatever you can and building new facilities. I, I just I just think you, they're either adults or they're children. You have to pick one. And you, there's no, like, forced uh, equality and welfare state for adults. That's not how it works. You you earn your keep. You keep what you earn. And that's where that, that's where I see the difference. Let me ask you this. Completely off topic, but a lot of people are chiming in in, in the chat room about it. I'm sure I'm a villain right now. No, no, really no, 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 no,
So it, it looks like everything that the Big Ten did is to finish before the selection committee. So week nine, that plus one, the eight plus one, is the day before the selection committee for the um, for the playoffs. So obviously Maryland's not in that decision-making process, right. but the Ohio States, the Penn State, and I guess Nebraska. So there will be a BCS there, this year. There will be a BCS so far, and the Big Ten will qualify. What's going to be interesting is, yes, we could be someone could be selected to the playoff. What's going to be interesting is the number of games we have, the automatic bid right. for a, just a random bowl. I'm assuming for us it's going to be five wins, four losses, because normally it's a six and six even split season. Right. And you get into a bowl, we don't have the ability to split even. So I'm assuming it's going to be five and four and not four and five. If it's four and five, it's going to be most of the Big Ten. We're right. going to go to a bowl somewhere. Agreed. Well, hopefully that answers everybody's questions. You got anything else you want that's to add? That's it. Let's, let's move on to two in the morning. <laughs> Two-minute warning. All right, Scott, it's time for the two-minute warning. You're going first. No, you're going first. No, I called it first. Rock, rock it. paper, scissors. Ryan, I'm going first. I said it kinetically. Ryan knew. <laughs> no, I said no, that shit didn't. kinetically. He didn't. You're going first, buddy. God damn it. <sighs> this All is right. how this works. James, Brian, who's reading the questions? James, you got Handed it? it over to James. All right, man, what do we got? All right, Brian's got the first question. James got the second question. Is that how it works? <laughs> All right, there we go. Got to figure it out. Brian, you're asking the first question. I don't have a question, yeah, dude. Do. It's, it's in front of you. Oh, is it? <laughs> Hold on one second. Sorry, oh, I'm dropping the ball. Never mind. He doesn't have it. James, go, go ahead. Got talking to the mic, James. Okay. The first question to go is, now that the NFL season has started, what is your take on the NFL finding these head coaches for not wearing their masks properly? I think they're they're doing it the right way. These fines that these guys are getting are heavy fines. They're, what, $100,000 to these coaches? We've now seen at least three or four head coaches get fines for it at this point. I think this is the right move. If you want to set a message, you got to make it most impactful, and that's the way you do it is in their pockets. $100,000, I don't care who you are and what kind of money you make is not chump change. It ain't cheap, that's for sure. Right. And I tell you what, it's, it's one of those things that, that I get it, but on the flip side of that, what the fuck does it matter? These guys have been tested every single week with their players to be allowed in the facility. If you can't, if you have to pass a test to be allowed in the facility, why the fuck do you still need to wear a mask? It's PR, bro. It, I, I get that, but really, at this point, who gives a shit? Like, we all know you're going into those centers. You're having it down. Bill Belichick looking like Bane on a child. I don't know. <laughs> Bane on a child. <laughs> all right. Second question. All right. Let's so go. the injury bug is hit hard, especially the Niners. Just two weeks in, and Jimmy Garoppolo, Raheem Moore, uh, Moster, Nick Bosa, Thomas, uh, Kettle, Debo Samuels, uh, Richard Sherman, and a plethora of others uh, are dealing with some major injuries. Is this just bad luck, or is this a result of the pandemic? This is a result of the pandemic, heads down. This is the teams that are players that didn't take the, the proper precautions and proper preparations as far as getting their bodies ready for a season. All the soft tissue injuries that we talked about potentially rearing their ugly heads. Combine that with a team that's just really unlucky to have a whole bunch of them happen at one time. <laughs> Shit sucks for the 49ers, but I'm all right with it. It sucks. We like to your point, we talked about soft tissue injuries gonna be a big deal this year. You you had limited practices. 
you had limited training camp. You did not get the the preseason games. This is showing you how much some of those preseason games are hurting. I forget who it was that, that said it this week on uh, uh, who were they NFL. They were on the NFL Network. They were saying how they wish they actually was two preseason games because it would give them something. Yeah, that's true. All right, Scott, sign us out, man. All right, guys. We appreciate you guys tuning in each and every week. Make sure you obviously check us out on our website, www.birdlandbs.com. While you're there, make sure you visit all the pages. The show and tell page is there. Right. Go check it out. I guess we'll come out with another episode at some what point. Hey, days? there's no Ravens game next weekend. I think we found our recording day. Hey, <laughs> there we go. Make sure you guys go check that out. Uh, make sure while you're there, contact us. Get yourself some Birdland BS gear that we're wearing every week. Also, make sure to check us out, BigPlay.com, BigPlay Twitter page. Download the BigPlay app. And BirdlandSports.com features us as well. Follow us all on social media, at FredBLBS, at ScottBLBS, at Bartender underscore Blake, at TerpsBSBird, at JamesBond tw- underscore 2032. I almost, I almost missed it there. <laughs> make sure you go follow us. And obviously, our our Birdland BS page at Birdland BS is how you find us on Twitter, Instagram, Snapchat, Facebook, YouTube. Like, follow, subscribe, and share while you're there. Be a part of the Birdland BS Nation. As always, check out the audio version of the podcast, Spotify, iTunes, Google Podcasts, wherever you listen to your your, your audio podcasts. Go check us out. Give us that thumbs up. Give us that review. We appreciate it. Thanks for tuning in. As always, we'll be back next Tuesday night, 7.30 Eastern Standard Time for Fred, myself, Brian, Ryan, and James. We'll see you guys. See ya. We didn't make him drink enough. <laughs> <laughs>